a lot of people fall into two different camps. One that that well, healing happens over time, you know, like going to rehab or going to physical therapy and it, it could be painful, but it happens over time and you heal over time. And then there's another camp that says you should pray and God heals you immediately. Anybody in that second camp? We should just pray and God will heal you. Well, I'm in both camps. I don't think those are mutually exclusive things. I think you can have both those things in the same room. Amen. That God heals some people immediately. Thank the Lord. Amen. We should pray that way. But then some people heal up over time. Some people have to have their stitches taken out. And so I, I, I want you to know as a pastor, I'm totally fine with both those things happening. And if it takes me a little longer to heal up than somebody else, I'm not like, well, they don't deserve it. I'm thankful. Amen. Thankful. So we're going to, I just strained my voice. Lord, heal me instantly. Stay to your feet. We're going to read from Matthew chapter six. If you walked in here this morning and your life has been full of anxiety and worry, I want you to just lean into me for the next 25 minutes. That's not where God wants you to live. I'm not going to say that you're going to be delivered immediately by this one sermon, but it'll be the beginning of thinking about things differently. It'll be the beginning of things. So just open yourself up to it a little bit this morning, the scripture, okay? Matthew chapter six, we're going to start in verse 25. Say amen if you're ready. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow up. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Or you have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, we thank you today. You have been faithful. That's not even an argument. You have been faithful to us. So Lord, we pray that we'd be able to operate in your faithfulness. Lord, that we'd be able to put away anxiety this morning because you care for us. Change the way we think today because we looked into your word. In Christ's name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter six, thanks again. Matthew chapter six is 
is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in chapter 5, starts a Sermon on the Mount. Some of you are familiar with that. Blessed are thee. And he goes through these long lists of, of people, like attitudes. Then he goes into, you've heard it said this way. You've heard it said, this is the normal thing to do. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, you've heard that, that's common. But this is the way I now want you to think. Love your enemy, do good to those who persecute you. So, so what you find out of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is addressing the way everybody thinks. And he's saying, this is, this is common, this is the way everybody thinks, you've heard it said. But I'm here to tell you how the kingdom operates. Okay, this is how everybody thinks, but now I'm introducing you the kingdom of heaven. And there's a little bit different thought process in the kingdom of heaven. The blessed people are not the same people that your culture would pick out. The way you would treat people commonly is not the way the kingdom treats people. So Jesus is trying to enlighten the people listening to him, his disciples, and those uh, listening to this sermon. Matthew's account of it probably isn't a word for word. It's probably an outline. It's probably notes on, on this sermon. Now, right before verse 25 of chapter six, Jesus starts, Jesus says something. This is my paraphrase, something like this. Do not store up for yourselves things that are decaying. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust corrupt or destroy. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where, where moth and rust can't destroy it. It's not susceptible to decay. Because, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart follows it. And then he gets to verse 25 and he says, don't be anxious. So, so Jesus is essentially saying, look, everything, if we think about the things on this earth, if we think about them the right way, we realize that everything on this earth is in the process of decaying. Would everybody agree? You buy a new house, as soon as you move into the new house, guess what? Fixing stuff. And you thought you were buying the house that didn't need to be fixed. And then six months into the new house, you went, well, you got to work on these things. You bought the new car. And guess what you figured out right after you bought the new car? That's why the dealership has a service department. Because the new car needs to be fixed because it's already decaying. As soon as they drop, drop it off the lot, I bought a car one time and a guy said, this thing started rusting on the boat on the way over. I said, yeah, it looked like that. So Jesus said, if, you, if your thoughts are fixed on things that are decaying, that's where your emotions are going to go. When you, when you store up for yourself whatever... Whatever you treasure, your heart, your emotions follow that. So when you're thinking about things that are decaying all the time, that's where your emotions go. But he said, if you, if you store up for yourself treasure in heaven, if you're constantly thinking about things that don't 
rust, that don't, aren't corrupted, that aren't decaying, then your treasure, your heart, your emotions will be following that. So even though your house needs to be fixed and your car needs to be fixed and you need to put a little more cream on your face, you know, just stretch it all out. Your emotions won't be tied up in those things because you'll be treasuring something that's eternal. So he, so in light of that, then he says, verse 25 and verse 25, I need to, I need to say this right up front, because if you walked in here this morning, dealing with anxiety, verse 25 is going to make you potentially more anxious because verse 25 Jesus indicates that we have the capability to not be anxious. Because he doesn't say, hope that you're not anxious. He doesn't say, pray that you're not anxious. He doesn't say, he doesn't give any descriptor that it's, that it's outside of our capability. He says, He looks at the crowd and emphatically states, do not be anxious. And some of you are sitting here this morning going, well, if it was that easy, I wouldn't have had to come to church this morning. I understand. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Don't be anxious. You probably had friends tell you that. Worried about something. They said, don't worry about it. You're like, if somebody else tells me that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, Jesus doesn't say just don't worry about it. He tells you how to think so that you don't worry about it. So he prefaces do not be anxious with if you keep your mind fixed on things that are wasting away, then your emotions are going to be tied to those things wasting away. Does that make sense to everybody? If you keep your mind fixed on the things that you can't keep from dying that you can't keep the car from breaking down. You can't keep the house from, from, from needing repaired. You can't, as hard as you try, you can't keep yourself from not needing a doctor sooner or later. And just because you're not going doesn't mean you don't need him. That's another conversation. So he says, if you, if you think about that all the time, if that's where your heart, that's where your thoughts are going, your emotions are going to be tied into that. So he says, do not be anxious. So I'm, I'm giving, I'm prefacing it by saying, when you think this way, it's going to create anxiety. So he says, don't do that. And then he tells you how to not think that way. Don't do it. He says, don't do it. Just don't do it. It sounds kind of harsh. It's kind of, it sounds rough. But he puts the mandate to not be anxious. Don't worry. Be happy. He's indicating that we have a say in whether we are anxious or full of worry. We get to decide that. And it may not be in a moment where you're just saying, I'm not going to worry about this. But we get to decide what we think about. Did you realize that? You get to determine what you think about. He said, oh, my brain's running away. Well, you better chase it down. Jesus' statement read in our culture where it's become almost a badge of honor to be anxious. It's become like, like oh, I'm anxious too. I'm, I'm worrying too. It's become so commonplace and acceptable that it does seem harsh for him to say that. But it's a warning from Jesus. 
He came to give us eternal life. He came to give us peace. He came to give us hope. And if we're still living in anxiety, it's the, it's the antithesis of his intention for us. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, stop it. Don't do it. I'm giving you a better way to live. I'm giving you a kingdom way to live. It's not just said here. There's other verses all throughout the New Testament. Here's a couple. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now, that might not sound like it has anything to do with chapter 6, verse 25 of, of Matthew, but it actually has a lot to do with it. So Jesus ends up explaining, hey, look, what are you worried about? The birds don't do anything. Stupid fat birds every year. Sorry if you're a bird lover. I happen to not be a bird lover because the barn swallows build a mud nest on the stone of my house in the same spot every year. And we put a, we power wash the thing, power wash, knock it down. They come right back. And it's like, I can't even sit in my alcove in my house. Got furniture. I can't even sit there because they're like, you know how they do it. They just like think they're gonna fly right to your face. And I'm going, I don't know what to do. We hung a fake snake up there. I think this year we're hanging a real snake up there. I'm gonna put one of the kids up there. Like, how do they do it? It's like, like they just, it's, uh, it's their house too, I guess. I'm like, well, you can share in the mortgage. So he says, look, the birds don't do anything. The grass does it. The birds don't plant. The birds don't reap. They don't, they don't collect it all up. They don't store it in barns. Grass doesn't fret. They re- you realize when you look at these pictures that your heavenly father has provided for them and how much more does he care for you? So he provides, he provides, he provides. When you go to first Peter, you realize humble yourself before the Lord. How do we do that? We act like we're not in charge. Oh, wait a second. Some of your anxiety comes from that you're a control freak. Don't look at anybody. Especially if you're related to them. Don't even look out of the corner of your eye. Like, baby, I've been telling you that for 25 years. Peter says, humble yourself before God. If you will give up control, if you'll humble yourself before the authority of God, then he will exalt you. How does he exalt you? He can provide everything according to his riches and glory. He can, he can make a way where there seems to be no way. He's got, the, he's got the problem worked out before you even ask. He's that. So when I humble myself before him, they may seem like two separate, unrelated scriptures, but it's the same statement. The birds and the grass don't fret about this stuff because God has taken care of it. First Peter Humble yourself, God's taking care of it, and don't be anxious. That's what it says. So at the proper time, he may exalt you. Go to the next one. Casting all your anxieties on because he cares for you. Saying the exact same thing, Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 6 says. The birds aren't flying around worried because he cares about them. How much more does he care about you? Then we get to Paul writing the Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. We quote it all the time here. Do not be anxious. Same statement. About what? What's the categories? Don't be anxious about anything, comma, but. 
Nope. There's nothing in there. There's nothing in there. There's no exceptions. There's no exceptions. Now, I know your anxiety is legit. I get it. You, your specific stuff, ooh, Jesus didn't even know that was going to happen. What Paul didn't know when he wrote that. I mean, nobody, nobody back in the first century church could have been dealing with anything worse than what we're dealing with. Nobody. I mean, their cable worked all the time. They didn't have mean bosses. Their, you know, direct deposit worked. No, he said, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. And the peace that passes on understanding will guard your heart and mind. We find out that he is the God of peace. So, so what does 1 Peter say? What does is, what is Philippians 4 say? What does what is Matthew chapter 6 say? It all says the same thing. He cares about you enough that you don't have to worry. He cares about you enough that you don't have to worry. That you don't have to be anxious. So we got to figure out how this happens. How do we get here in the first place? Anxiety and worry are produced when we demand control over things that we're naturally unable to control. Is there anyone in here that can control uh, gas prices? We just want to know who to beat up after the service. (laughs) Anybody in here can control gas prices? No, you can't. Amen? You can't. Anybody can control how much food is in the grocery store. Actually, the guy for that was in first service. Legit. Anybody can control how much food goes in the grocery store. Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Anybody control? I only know one store. I think it's TJ Maxx. My wife takes me there and I pick out a shirt. Anybody control how many clothes are in TJ Maxx? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody control how many vehicles are being made? Anybody control? (laughs) Can anybody control anything? The things that we're anxious about, we are unable to control. So Jesus is painting a picture with the birds in the grass. I can tell you for a fact that there's never been a bird sitting up in his nest going, this is going to be a rough one. I've flown over this yard a couple times. I don't see any worms, man. I don't see any worms. Hmm. What are we going to do? It's amazing. You don't see grass growing up worrying about what kind of blooms are going to pop out. Jesus is not saying be frivolous. Jesus is not saying, just lay in the nest and let hope somebody comes and drops the food in for you. Jesus is not saying, don't work. Jesus is not saying, don't get dressed, please. Jesus is not saying, Jesus ain't put some clothes on. Jesus is not saying, be lazy or inconsiderate. Jesus is not saying any of that. What he's saying is, the amount of time we spend trying to control these things in our life, it's producing the anxiety we deal with. Can I take this a step farther? Because now, now we deal with some, some more issues in here, not just food and clothing. We got those. 
we get to pick the type that we wear and what we eat. Amen? I want more meat and less vegetables. And God goes, fine. You get to pick what you eat. Here's what we worry about now. Not just clothes, but our appearance. Can I tell you a secret? We are all managing the decline of this. We're all managing the decline. And I don't care how much oil you rub on it. It is going to look worse in 10 years. My whole, I look in the mirror, I'm 46 years old. I look in the mirror now, I see all these wrinkles on the side of my face. And I have, I have the understanding that soon my whole face will look like that. And it doesn't matter how much cream I rub on it, how far I stretch it, it's going to happen. We're managing decay. We're managing something temporary. I look in the mirror and my beard is starting to turn gray. And I'm like, if I shave it off, I look 12. I don't have any options. So, so we're anxious over our appearance. He says, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. We need to redefine beautiful. Ladies, I've said this before. Ladies, everybody, every lady, look up at me. You are beautiful. Stop thinking you're not. You're beautiful. And anxiety over your appearance is not the way God set it up. He said, if the grass of the field blooms and beats out all the splendor of Solomon, don't worry about what you look like. Get up, do your hair, put your clothes on and be proud. Amen. You're beautiful. God loves you. I'm not saying don't put cream on every now and then. I'm just saying don't worry about it. Here's the second area we worry about nonstop, our safety. Our safety. Do you realize you could, you could let your safety make you anxious 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and at the end of the day, you can't control it. I don't care if you've stored up food for 37 years and you've got the armory in your basement and you're like, bring it. You can't control it. You're going to be in Walmart sooner or later. You can't control it. You can't control it. You can't control it. God says, if the birds and the grass make it, how much more do I care about you? You can't control everything. You can't manipulate everything to make yourself feel better. It's not possible. And what it's doing is it's causing anxiety in our life and worry in our life nonstop. We can't control everything. Appearance, safety, Provision, we can't control it. We watch the news and we're like, baby formula. That's a big deal, but nobody can control it. 
So where does my mind go? Does my mind go, there's never going to be enough. 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 Or does my mind go, my God loves me beyond what I can ever fathom. And he has made a couple promises to me that I'm going to hold him to. And so now I'm going to trade that worry that I used to have. And I'm going to say, I believe you figured this out. I believe that you are all knowing you're everywhere all the time. You know, my beginning from my end and you plan this thing out for my benefit. And so I'm not going to spend another moment of the day being anxious about something that I can't fix anyway. So I'm not saying don't go to work, go to work, but stop being anxious When you're at work, because you're making everybody else's life miserable. (laughs) Because less anxious people probably get more raises. Less anxious people probably get promoted. Less anxious people, I would assume, come on. He wants you to walk in the office with peace that passes all understanding because he's got this. Amen? So the things that everybody else in the office, everybody else at the job is freaking out about, you can be the one that walks in and says, you know what? I'm in the same boat as everybody else. I'm just choosing not to focus on the things that are decaying. And I'm choosing to focus on the things that will never rot. I'm choosing to focus on the one who said he'd provide for me according to his riches and glory. So it's not attached to the interest rate or the price of diesel fuel. It's attached to his ability to do in me what he's already willed. Amen? How in the world are we going to offer the world anything if they walk in and we're just worked up about everything as they are? Look at your neighbor and say, you can't control it. God, God's got this. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Your heavenly father feeds them. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Verse 33 sums it all up. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I need to, I need to let you in on a little thing here. There's one little thing that I don't think I've hit on clear enough. He says, if he, if he takes care of the birds and he takes care of the grass, are you not much more valuable than those things? Some of you, the way you grew up, the way you've been treated, the way your experience up to this point has not been an experience of being valued. And when you're not valued, it is an anxiety-producing circumstance. Because you don't think you're worth anybody providing for you. You don't think you're worth anybody protecting. You don't think you're worth anybody, anybody appreciating. Jesus tells the whole crowd, if he will take care of the unbelievably irritating barn swallows that keep invading my personal space, how much more valuable are you than they? I need you to lean into the fact that Jesus did not go to the cross 
for a few for a few people that had it all together. He went to the cross because while you were unvaluable to everybody else around you, while you were a sinner, he deemed you valuable enough to die on the cross for you and take all your sins and offer you eternal life before anybody else ever saw any value in you. God so loved the world. God so loved you as an individual that he would send his only son that who, if you believed in him, He would give you everlasting life. He put the value on you. The creator, the one who breathed life into all humanity, put the value on you and nobody gets to argue about it. Nobody gets to determine it after that. He put the value on it. So it's not that the value is arguable. It's whether you believe it or not. As an individual, you have to convince yourself now that I am a child of God, that he did this for me, and that I'm valuable enough for him to protect, for him to provide, for him to love me unconditionally. I am valuable enough. I'm not saying be arrogant. There's a a far cry stretch between arrogant and confidence. And what I want you to do is wake up every morning with the confidence that God loves you, with the confidence that he's providing, with the confidence that he's directing, and with the confidence that I don't have to worry about this. I'm going to get up and do what he called me to do. And at the end of the day, I'm going to lay my head down on my pillow, convinced that he has it in his hands. Amen? So now he goes back to the way you think. Remember, don't, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust corrupt. Don't be anxious. Now he's going to encapsulate the whole thing by going back to that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And guess what? You get it all anyway. Isn't that crazy? You get it all anyway. It reminds me of a kid right before Christmas that is so afraid they're not going to get me. Hey, I'm not going to get that one thing. I'm going to get that one thing. I'm going to get that one thing. Come on. Calm down. Christmas is on the 25th of December every year. And your mother not, your mother always gets you something. Being honest. I'm like, man, it took us forever to find that gift. Right? him, the less of these I get. And so I'm going to save you $7 million right now. I'm going to do it this way because if you trust him and there's less anxiety and worry in your life, guess what that results in? Less wrinkles, which results in less cream, which results in less going to the doctor, which results in less money spent, which results in a better life overall. Because if we walk out there and we told the world, serve Jesus, you get less wrinkles, this church will be full every week. wants to give you peace this morning and he wants to start with worry anxiety 
Start thinking differently. Start thinking on Him. Start thinking on things that are eternal. Stop focusing so much on things that are wasting away. Amen. Come on, can you do that this morning? Maybe just lift your hands up and maybe just release that to Him. Whatever that is you've been anxious about, whatever it is you've been worrying about that you know you can't control, just go ahead and say, God, I understand today that I need to have my mind fixed on you. You've already got it under control. You've already got it worked out. I humble myself under your strength and your power and your provision, and I know you'll exalt me. I thank you for it. I cast all my cares on you because you care for me. Amen. Come on, lift your voice this morning. He is for you and with you, and he's already figured it out. Come on, believe that today.